When I think of road trips, I think of the windows rolled down, me and my girlfriends singing some 80s music with our hair blowing in the wind. And, you know, maybe for you that idea is more of a family in an SUV and you're on the way to give them the best summer ever. Whatever your picture perfect road trip is, picking the destination is ultimately the biggest decision you'll have to make. So this episode, we're going to dive into the top five summer road trips that'll leave you with a summer memory you will never forget. Hello and welcome to the Solo Travel Woman Podcast, a place where women come to get empowered and to say goodbye to the stigmas around solo travel so they can start living life on their own terms. I'm Sarah, a huge travel enthusiast and also the host of the show, and I am so excited you are here. To join us in on the conversation, be sure to check us out at solotravelwoman.com and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at solotravelwoman. So without any further talking, let's start our journey. Hello, welcome to the episode. I'm so grateful for all of you for tuning in again as we share some really fun and epic road trips that you could take this summer with your family. So let's just jump right into it. So when picking a destination for a road trip, obviously you wanna know who you're going with, what type of activities they like to do. Are you looking to go somewhere warm? Do you wanna go out of the States? Or are you just looking for a place that has a lot of activities and can give you epic memories? This list is gonna be amazing. So diving right in, if you've never been to Michigan, you are missing out. Along the Great Lakes is the Lake Michigan Coastal Drive. It's about a three and a half hour, 236 mile scenic drive, totally along the coast of Michigan. And it's kind of overlooked. Most people end up going to East Coast beach towns and they don't really think of the Great Lakes area, which is gorgeous. <laughs> I grew up in the Great Lakes in area in New York. I've never been to Michigan, but I can tell you it is just such a beautiful area from what I've seen and those I know who have gone there. So along the eastern side of Lake Michigan, you're going to find charming beach towns that you might not have even known existed. So about 45 minutes southwest of Grand Rapids is somewhere called Holland, Michigan. You're going to find a state park there, which has gorgeous sandy beaches. And you're going to want to make sure if you go to that beach, you get there rather early because in the summer months, it is packed. That's how popular and amazing it is to the locals. Then you're going to make your way to Ludington, Michigan, which is give or take like an hour, hour and a half from Grand Rapids. And there you're going to find, again, miles of clean, beautiful beaches with popular parks. It's great for kids. It has a ton of activities such as canoe trails, dune rides, hiking, all of the things. And now my personal favorite stop, now I've never done this whole thing, but I have been to certain places. My personal favorite is Traverse City. So not only does it have a ton of public parks and beaches and trails, but it is filled with craft breweries, picturesque vineyards. So if you like to drink, have fun, that kind of stuff, this is your jam, like it is for me. And honestly, a downtown that will keep you entertained for hours. You will not get bored. And then 45 minutes from there, it's worth the stop and the extra drive to go to Sleeping Bear Dunes National Seashore. There's an old 1800s lighthouse, and then the dune formations 
you would have no idea that you were in northern United States on the coast of Michigan. It looks like you are literally in like the beaches, you know, in the Caribbean. These dunes are stunning. (laughs) You would have no idea. And then there's some other stops along the way. Um, There's Manistee and then Mackinac City where there's that really famous five mile long bridge um and that's where like the upper and lower peninsulas meet of the water and so it's just ultimately this gorgeous gorgeous place that i think gets completely overlooked for more coastal beach towns that you should definitely check out it's great for friends great for families no matter who you're going with it's ultimately a perfect choice so now heading out of the united states we're going to go to catalonia spain So if you're looking for somewhere in Europe that is going to be completely unforgettable, but not, you know, the everyday type trip, you're going to want to head to Barcelona and make your way through the Tosa de Mar, which is has the whole beaches of Costa Brava, the Catechies, and then head back to Barcelona, stopping in Girona. Pardon me, too, if I say any of these names wrong. I'm yeah. I'm trying here, okay? So the Tosa de Mar is just not only a beautiful beach town, but it has a lot of history. If you're a history nerd like me, you would love it. It has over 2,000 years of history, and I'm sure more, but that is just filled with culture, (laughs) waiting to be discovered by you. So while you're there, you want to make sure you tour the 12th century Morales de Tosa de Mar and explore the ruins of St. Vicente Church, and then swim in those gorgeous crystal waters of the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, if you don't do that, you what are you, what are you even doing there? You have to get into that water. It's gorgeous. Um, it is located, or located then just south of the French border is Catechese, which is one of probably it's probably the most symbolic stop along the Catalonia Drive. It has very narrow cobbled streets. Um, Picasso and other artists actually got a lot of inspiration from this area. So that just in and of itself tells you how gorgeous and picturesque it is. And now it's really becomes a very cultural center with museums and art galleries and, of course, huge, huge um, areas of history that are worth checking out if, again, you're a history buff like me. So bringing it back into the States, and I think we stay in the States for the rest of this list, but no road trip would be complete without one in the Western, Midwest, Southwest area, and especially in Utah where the Mighty Five reside. If you don't know what the Mighty Five is, it is the five, it's five of the country's most most magnificent, beautiful natural parks. So you have Arches Natural Park, National Park, you have Bryce Canyon National Park, Canyonlands, Capitol Reef, and then Zion. So think of one state with all of this beauty. That's Utah. (laughs) Um, Honestly, you can make the road trip what you wish, but I personally think you need at least 10 days to really, truly explore these areas and make this journey epic and spend enough time in each one. And so ideally, you'll start around Arches National Park, which is a little bit north of Moab, um, it's known for having thousands of sands, natural like sandstone arches. Some of them you've probably heard of, the red-hued delicate arch, which is located in the eastern side of the park. Um, any picture you've seen of those beautiful red arches, that's probably taken from Arches Natural National Park. And why do I keep saying natural? 
Sarah. Learn how to speak. Um, then we have Bryce Canyon National Park. That's in more southern Utah. So here you're going to find crimson colored hoodoos made up of limestone, siltstone, dolomite, mudstone, all the different stones. Um, there's lots of different trails that are great for family activities. Um, it's another one that just, if you haven't heard from it of it, you're living under a rock. The other two, I'm not going to lie, were a little less familiar to me. So we have Canyonlands next, which is carved out completely by the Colorado River. And it's known for a lot of its Native American paintings um, within Horseshoe Canyon, which is really cool. Um, the island in the sky is a flat top mesa as well and has amazing... Um, views of the water and then whitewater rapids excursions are huge here but disclaimer if you do one please 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 be safe listen to the instructions wear a life jacket whitewater rafting is very dangerous but really exhilarating and it gets your adrenaline pumping it's a lot of fun I've done it but just if you follow the rules and you pay attention you'll be good but if you neglect that yeah, things could happen. <laughs> the next one is probably the lesser known on this list, which is Capitol Reef National Park. So this one is filled with like cliffs and canyons, rock formations, just kind of like everywhere else <laughs> that you go to. Um, they have a famous one called Chimney Rock Pillar. But while you're there, the cool thing, it's called this wrinkle of the on the earth. And so it's truly a hundred mile wrinkle within the earth it's a geologic monocline so it's basically a fold within the earth that looks like a straight up wrinkle on a face it's really cool but it's just another thing to show you how wonderful and mysterious our planet is um and so it's just something worth worth checking out and then last but not least with its famous hiking trails and narrows and waterfalls the first national park ever to be claimed in utah is Zion National Park. And so this is probably the most popular of all five. And ultimately this is where you'll end your trip and just enjoy yourself. And I would say about two to three days in each area will be perfect. Um, this way you can really take time to explore it, not feel rushed and not feel like you're just going from one park to another. I don't know about you, but as much as I love solo travel, I also sometimes miss having a friend with me to take in a show or people watch or just kind of venture around town with. Well, I have found the perfect app. It is called Torlina. So Torlina is the first female travel app that verifies travelers, whether they're backpackers or luxury travelers, to connect with each other based on that passion for travel and that sense of adventure. You can connect with women that are local to the destination you're traveling to or with others before your travel even begins to see who might be in town and wants to meet up for an evening for part of their trip. Women tend to find more meaningful and long-lasting connections with other women. And you also make such lifelong friendships when you're on your adventure and when you're journeying around the world. And Torlina really just helps you make that connection in a safe way. So I have a great offer for you. Torlina has given us 100% off for all of our listeners by using the code Sarah100 at torlina.com. And I mean, why would you say no? It's totally free. So use the code Sarah100 and I can't wait to see who you meet on your journey. 
Welcome back. So let's take a trip on Highway 395. So we're going to skip the Pacific Coast, Coast Highway. Everyone's heard of it. It's a beautiful drive. Do not get me wrong. However, you're going to want to drive through the Golden State on this lesser known highway, 395. From hot springs to mountain trails, there's honestly something for everyone and you're not going to have the traffic that you will have if you take the Pacific Coast Highway. But just note, parts of it can be super hot, so make sure that you service your car, have all of the necessary things you need in your vehicle, and take all the precautions needed because I'm not just saying it gets like 80 degree hot. It gets over 120 degree hot. So just be safe if you do this in the summer. Uh, so first you're gonna kind of start your adventure in Los Angeles. Obviously you can do from north to south, south to north, whatever you choose, but I find it best to start in LA. And then you're gonna head about two hours northeast to Red Rock Canyon State Park. So this place is just filled with colorful canyons, hence Red Rock, and petroglyphs, which is awesome. If you don't know what those are, those are kind of like drawings and basically words from back in the day <laughs> um, left in rocks and carved into rocks by the Kawasu. Again, apologies if I said that wrong, um, but by the Kawasu Indians. Um, and Red Rock Canyon State Park has actually been the backdrop to like hundreds of movies. So if you've never been, you've probably seen it somewhere. Also, there's this 1993 dino movie where life finds a way um, that was filmed there. So comment and let me know if you know what movie I'm talking about. Uh, next time, though, you'll make your way through Death Valley. So this is that area I said that can get super, super hot. You really want to be careful. You want to have enough water get gas, service your tires, all the things. You are gonna wanna spend at least a full day here exploring this point of the US. It's the lowest point in the US. Um, but again, please hydrate, do not overdo it, but it is a really cool place to check out. Um, if you have an interest in World War II history, then you are 100% gonna love Manzanar. This is actually, it has a sad history, but it's still history. And if you wanna learn, you know, we learn what not to do, from learning from our past. Um, so that's why these sites are still so important so we can learn what not to do. <laughs> um, but it's one of the 10 American concentration camps where more than 10,000 Japanese people were detained between the 1942 and 45 while World War II was happening. So again, not a happy history, but nonetheless, we learn how to grow and move past bad things and not do them again and not repeating them by learning from the past. After stopping there, you're going to want to check out the ancient Bristlecone Pine Forest. Um, there's Convict Lake and then hot, a Hot Creek geological site before pretty much ending your day in the town of Mammoth Lakes. So Mammoth Lakes was actually formed hundreds of thousands of years ago from ro uh, volcanic remnants. Um, and the Devil's Post Pile is about a 60 foot tall formation of basalt columns that you're going to want to definitely check out. It's really, really cool. It's completely formed from nature, which obviously that's it, it's 100,000 years old. Could you imagine what's buried under all that rock? I, I mean, I just want to go and start digging. But once you're ready to leave there, obviously take some time, spend some time there, explore, hike, all the things. But once you're ready to leave there, you're going to continue north to Yosemite National Park. So obviously, you know what that is, I would hope. Um, you will pass the towns of June and Mono Lakes along the way. And then you're going to take Tioga Road through Ellery Lake, Porthole Dome, and then the Tioga Pass 
into Yosemite National Park. So it's about 60 miles to get to the valley from the entrance. But if you have time, definitely plan to stay at least two days in Yosemite. It is stunning. It is gorgeous. There's nowhere on earth like it. It, you know, we often forget how gorgeous and stunning America is and all the, you know, terrain and landscapes and geological sites we have here. So please take your time to just really enjoy it, get some of that R&R. And then when you're ready on your final stretch of this epic road trip, you're going to depart Yosemite Park and then drive about two and a half hours to Lake Tahoe. Along the way, make sure you stop in Bodie. It's a really cool ghost town. And then also there's the Tabertine Hot Springs where you can get some R&R, get into that sulfur, tranquil water, get yourself all hydrated. Um, but then obviously end your end your trip in Lake Tahoe and spend however long you want to spend there. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous in the winter. It's gorgeous in the summer. There's activities all over the place. Perfect for families, friends, couples, whatever. Um, but this is definitely a road trip you have to take. It is epic. And then last on our amazing list of our top five summer road trips is the Blue Ridge Parkway. So we're bringing it to the East Coast. We are going to drive about 500 miles along the Appalachian Trail through both Virginia and North Carolina on the Blue Ridge Parkway. So you're going to want to start at the Shenandoah National Park, which is near Waynesboro, Virginia. And then ultimately you'll end at the Great Smoky Mountains National Park near Cherokee, North Carolina. Along the way, you're going to have some of those famous towns like Roanoke, Boone, and Asheville, North Carolina. Um, Asheville is just absolutely stunning if you have never been. And it's booming with new breweries and job markets. And obviously, the Biltmore is there. It's insane. Um, but some of the favorite stops along the drive, so you kind of have an idea of where you might want to stop along the journey, is Marbury Mill. It's probably the most photographic like photograph spot along the highway and they have the Marbury Mill mess restaurant which has delicious food so definitely kind of time a lunch there or dinner then there's Bowling Rock which is over it overlooks the Johns River Gorge and has views and rolling hills think of you know Outlander when they're in the when they get to Carolinas that kind of thing um, it's in that Blue Ridge area um, then you have Little Switzerland, which is this cute little town inspired by the Swiss Alps. There's only 46 people that live there, and it started as a mountain resort, but now it's this like little paradise for outdoor enthusiasts, but you feel like you're in the Alps. So it's cute. Go shopping, you know, kind of putz around, walk around, have some lunch. It is just definitely a must-see must on, the, on the drive. Then with an elevation of like just under 7,000 feet, we have Mount Mitchell, which is the tallest mountain east of the Mississippi. So it'll be the tallest mountain that you see along the Appalachian Trail. Um, growing up in New York, you know, we have the Allegheny Mountains, kind of the part of the Appalachian Mountains, um, but nothing as high as this, which I know to all you Denver folks and your Pacific Northwesterners, this is nothing, but to the East Coasters, it is. <laughs> but um, then there's also the Folk Art Center, which is it's really fun it has a lot of gorgeous arts and crafts local um, people and come in from different regions to sell their items so you can give back to the local economy and so it's just something to get a fun souvenir um, have the kids you know drive walk around and buy things whatever it's just a really cool stop to get out and stretch your legs and give back to the local community and then lastly 
obviously ending in, you know, we have Asheville and the Biltmore Estate. So this is America's largest home. It's built right in the mountains of Asheville by George Vanderbilt, which I'm sure you've all heard. Um, but this mansion, <laughs> super mansion, contains more than 11 million bricks and staggers a whopping 175,000 square feet. It has 33 bedrooms, 43 bathrooms, and then it's famous 70 foot high banquet hall. Like, I don't know, I would hate to be the, the housekeeper. Who would want to clean that? I mean, granted, like if you have money to have that kind of house, you probably have like 20 housekeepers, but I would not want to be one of those housekeepers. I wouldn't even want a house that big. You would like, I would lose people. I'd be like, where's my kid? Oh, they're in the East Wing nine miles away from here. Like, it's just crazy. But anywho, I really hope you like this list of the top five road trips for this summer. Obviously, there's hundreds of roadways, thousands of roadways that you could take epic road trips on and make them unique and perfect for you, your family, your friends, whatever. But these are just some that I wanted to highlight that I've personally been on. I've known people go on. Um, and I think you'll have a pretty epic time if you choose any one of these. So sound off in the comments below if you end up taking one of these journeys. I would love to hear your story. And if you have any other suggestions on ultimate road trips, let us know. I'd love to sh share those with the audience and let's learn from each other. So have a great night and I will see you next time. Huge shout out to our sponsors, Torlina and Anchor. Be sure to visit us over at solotravelwoman.com and on whatever podcast platform you listen to this episode on, please be sure to leave us a rating and a review and let us know what you want to see on the next episode of the Solo Travel Woman podcast. See you next time. If I told you I did not cry during my first solo travel experience, well, I'd be flat out lying to you. The fact is, solo travel can be extremely hard, it can be overwhelming, and really leave us wondering, what in the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> but regardless of all those hard moments, and especially the scary ones that sometimes do come up when you are traveling by yourself, I personally would never change, nor do I regret any of my experiences. So today I wanna to talk to you about the shit they should have told you regarding solo travel and really what are those unspoken truths. Hey, welcome back to the Solo Travel Woman podcast. So happy to have you here. If you are new, hi, how are you? I'm Sarah and I'm the host of the podcast. And I'm so glad you stumbled upon this little community where we empower and inspire each other to travel solo. <laughs> um, I would love to know how you found us. So definitely leave a review letting us know because I always like to learn how people stumble upon this show. So it gets me excited. But today I wanted to take time to really talk through basically the shit they should have told you around solo travel. I advocate all the time on how amazing solo travel is, how it enriches your life, it teaches you so much about yourself, but the reality is there's parts of it that are overwhelming and scary and hard, and if you're not prepared and you don't approach those the right way, they can really ruin your trip. I have gone through so many things, but I can honestly tell you I've never once regretted my experience and I would never change a thing about traveling solo. 
it is everything I love about the world and my experiences and who I am as a person is that I'm capable and I'm strong and I'm empowered to do this. And so this, this episode is not to make you paranoid or turn you away from traveling. It's just really important to be upfront and honest and give you the full view of a solo travel experience and not just, you know, sugarcoat it, give you it in rose-colored glasses, um, really share those unspoken truths. So here's the thing. You're going to laugh, you're going to cry, you're going to feel every other emotion in between while you are traveling. I have had missed train stops where I've ended up in areas I had no idea where I was, some safe, some not safe. I have gone and checked into a hotel that I thought was one thing, and then you go and it is not at all like it's advertisement. I totally got hotel catfished. And the thing is, something's always going to go wrong, whether it's a big thing or a little thing. There will always be something, and it's truly how you react to the situation that can make or break your experience. So when I took my first ever solo trip, it was to Greece. Also, I ended up going to Turkey. But when I got to the airport, got through customs, all of that, I was faced with a very overwhelming experience, and that was all of the solicitations, men shouting at me to user cab service. I'm from New York City. Like I lived there for like 14 years and I was living there during that time. And I truly was like, what the F did I get myself into? This is too much. I don't know where to go. These men are like, I felt like a piece of meat in like a dinosaur pen. They were huddling around you to try to get you to take their cab. And not that they were being mean, but it was a lot. It was a lot of people. It was super overwhelming. And it's the first time I traveled by myself. And now I didn't baby step in. I went from not doing much on my own to jumping into going to Greece and Turkey alone. You know, I always say go out to dinner, do a staycation, all that stuff to kind of get your feet wet. I personally did not do that. (laughs) And so this was a lot. And now thankfully, because I was not paying attention, I ended up bumping into someone. He happened to be a man who spoke English. He, after you know, introducing myself, I found out he was American, and he frequent, um, frequently traveled to Greece. So he knew how to navigate the airport. And now, if I was at home, I probably would have been very hesitant to accept this person's help because I would have been thinking there was some type of ulterior motive. Sadly, it's the world we live in, and I would, I have my guard up when it comes to certain situations. However. I'm so grateful that, number one, he noticed my stress. He was a very nice, kind man, and he really helped me navigate my way to an area where I can get safe transportation without feeling pressured or taken advantage of. And so I totally thought, cool, that was stressful. My first five minutes, I wanted to get the hell out of there. It can only go up from here. Well, that was not the case. Like I said, things will and always you know in some way shape or form something will go wrong so then you know i'm in the uber or taxi whatever you want to call it i get to my hotel and they had the complete wrong room reserved for me i they put me in now it was a hostel it was my first time staying at a hostel they put me in an eight room um instead of a, the the quad so the four person room i thought okay i could deal with three other people eight you know, that would have been a little bit too much so i wanted to find myself like a nice happy medium and so I was like okay I wanted a four-person room I also totally forgot to notify my bank that I was traveling I didn't know that was a thing you had to do back then because again I had never 
done this so I never told them so then I go to pay the taxes because sometimes in European hotels you pay for everything but then when you go you have to pay a certain amount of euro or pound or whatever wherever you are in you know taxes and local fees and I go to pay and my cards declined I'm not someone who has a plethora of credit cards so like that was what I was using it was going to get me points all this stuff so I was freaking out like oh my gosh do I not have money like, am I going to be able to do this trip? The time difference, I really couldn't call the bank at the time. I didn't know what to do. So thankfully, he took cash, gave him some cash. The next morning, I called my bank, got it all situated. This was before you can just go on your online portal and change things. Um, but, you know, it was so many little things that kept going wrong that had I let all those moments really affect me, I would have been absolutely miserable. But... I just really kept chalking it up to, I was an experienced traveler. This is all me. As I get more experience, as I do this more, it's going to become so second nature. Things will, you know, kind of smooth itself out. And I was going to be meeting up with a bunch of other people that were like me, solo travelers going to a new country. We were going to be meeting up to do some activities, excursions, etc. And so I was like, everything's going to be fine. We're going to laugh and share stories. I'm going to make friends and all those things. And ultimately, that is what happened. It was a trip of a lifetime. I grew up reading Greek mythology. I love history. Greece is always somewhere that I said, if I had one place in the world to go to before I died, it had to be Greece. And so I made that a reality for myself. And I made some of the most amazing friends. Those friends I am still close to to this day. One of them lives in San Diego, who is near and dear to my heart, and I love her. Another one is in Adelaide in Australia. She was another sweet mate of mine and someone I really connected with. I have another girlfriend who lives in London that I'm very close to. And although we might not talk every day or see each other all the time, I know that I could reach out to them and say hi and they're there. Or if I'm in the area, they're going to want to see me and vice versa. And had I not, you know, been open and stayed positive through those kind of crazy experiences, I would have been so closed off of these people. And now I realize this is how I wanted to experience the world.